Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself. Broaden your mind. Open your heart and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is wonderful to be with you again another week, and it is so hard to believe that we are in July of 2020, but here we are approaching uh, July 4th weekend, freedom time, and what an amazing way we get to embrace freedom, particularly this year. It is an opportunity for us to realize that despite the circumstances that surround us, despite anything that's going on in the world, we can always find freedom amidst that, that we can make meaning of life both in how we desire to fulfill ourselves and also through the suffering and challenges that come forward. Uh, My guest today is uh, an alumni, I would say, of 1111 Talk Radio. I always delight in having him on each and every time another scrumptious book comes out. And so I am really excited to uh, dive into Uh, introducing you to Mark Nepo if you don't know him and telling you about his new book. Uh, Right after I share a special offer for 1111 listeners uh, to support you if you are having some challenges at this time or simply need a listening ear. Uh, For 1111 Talk Radio listeners, you can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash 11. Uh, If there is something that's interfering with your happiness, preventing you from achieving your goals, um, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist. You can communicate with them in under 48 hours. I want to state this is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. This is professional counseling, and it is done securely online. So if you are having any issues and need some mental support, emotional support, uh, there's a broad range of expertise available which may not be available in your local areas or if you are wanting to remain at home. This service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account at any time. They are committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if need be. This is an affordable um It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. So BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Uh, Definitely, you can check out their website, and if you will put 11 spelled out uh, at the end of this website, then you can get that 10% off. That's betterhelp.com forward slash 11, and that's better, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp. Join over 1 million people taking care of their mental health today. And once again, that's 10% off at betterhelp.com forward slash 11. Just wanted to give a plug to our sponsor for the show today. Before I dive into my wonderful guest, Mark Nepo is a poet and philosopher who has taught in the fields of poetry and spirituality for over 40 years a number one New York Times bestselling author. He has published 22 books and recorded 14 audio projects. His work has been translated into over 20 languages, and he's been interviewed several times by Oprah on her Super Soul Sunday television program, along with Robin Roberts on Good Morning America and so many other places. His recent work, Drinking from the River of Light uh, and More Together Alone, have been cited by spirituality and practiced as the best books of 2018. Uh, We have radio shows on those two books as well in the archives. Uh, 
After being born physically, we unfold within a second womb meant to incubate our better angel. The second womb is an experiential one that, through the labor of a lifetime, births the soul on earth. This book, the Book of Soul, explores that process of transformation in its mystery, difficulty, and inevitability. This dynamic transformation, which we all have to face, connects Mark's two recent books. By living the one life we're given, we release the wisdom that waits in our heart, and the tender human process leads us to the way under the way, the place of true meeting. When we commit to these holy engagements that join who we are with the world, we discover that the temple is the world. This is the central inquiry of the Book of Soul, and I cannot wait to dive into it with Mark. Welcome, Mark. Welcome back to 1111. Thank you. It's great to be with you again. Thanks so much. It is an interesting time for everyone, uh, and it's an interesting time to release a book. But as I read this, I thought there's no more profound time for this book than right now, because what we are experiencing in the world today, for some it's traumatic, for some it's depressing, for some it's constricting, for others it is having them question everything about life. And as I read your book, we are living the soul journey right here, right now, in the midst of all of this experience, almost to a deeper degree, because it's having us be with ourselves. Yeah, you know, I think this is, and of course, you know, I've been working like all the books, like a little, you know, worker bee and lifting my head when it's done. So the timing is beyond me. Um, But, but, you know, I think one of the things to to just start with where we are in this unprecedented time, um, I've been struck for me how, you know, from my other work that, I mean, I'm 69 and in my 30s, I almost died from a rare form of lymphoma. And I've been really struck by how what I emotionally went through then, I feel like we as humanity are going through now. And, and, and you know, the, the first thing is that, that, you know, every, it's almost, it is archetypal, I think, that every person at any time, in any era, we will all be given the chance to be dropped into the depth of life. And sometimes it's by a life-threatening event, and sometimes it's by beauty or wonder or unconditional love or surprise. And, um, but we are all being forced uh, to be dropped into the depth of life. And, and one of the things that is so uh, stunning to me was, you know, back then when I was, uh, when I was first diagnosed in my 30s, I went to a doctor and I went into an office and I came out and I, and I was diagnosed with cancer and I, my world, everything was, was stopped and changed. And the, when I went to leave that office that day, the door I had come through to keep that appointment was gone. There was no, no doorway back to life as I had known it. And I feel like that's happened to us as a human tribe. The old world is gone. It, there is no going back. And, you know, anytime something like that happens, we are thrust into the roller coaster and kaleidoscope of loss and grief. And, you know, it's made me think about, um, 
you know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, uh, the passages of grief. That Now, for those people who don't remember or know, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was the modern mother of the, host, the modern hospice movement. Of course, hospice has been going on as long as there have been people. They just didn't call it hospice. But in the modern world, she in the 70s uh, had really fostered this modern hospice movement and in her work with people who were dying and grieving um, she noticed these kind of five five phases that people go through not necessarily sequentially and maybe not all of them maybe we get we repeat them or bounce around in them but a constellation and of these these phases that all human beings go through when faced with loss and grief and that is they are anger, bartering, you know, that, that uh, well, God, you know, now that I'm in trouble, I'll, I'll go to church if you just let me live, you know, bartering, you know, denial, um, depression, and acceptance. And I, I feel like if you look, especially at American culture right now, our society, there are pockets of our society that are stuck in different different phases of Kubler-Ross's grief, cycles of loss and grief. There are po whole pockets right now of our society that are in vast denial. Don't want to, you know, this is one of the reasons there's so much widespread spiking in the coronaviruses. You know, people have wanted to deny that, no, no, the old, I can go to the old world. It's, it hasn't gone anywhere. It's here. And of course, the virus is spreading and there's been anger there's been pockets stuck in, you know, we're going to protest. I mean, you can see this mostly around masks, making masks the object of anger. And, and you know, we're going to, what are we protesting? Biology? Gravity? You know, and even within ourselves. So, so I think the big thing is that, that we have been forced into a global Sabbath. Now, it's interesting, the word Sabbath, Wayne Muller wrote a book on Sabbath back in the late 90s. I uh, loved that book. That's yes. a wonderful book. And in there, you know, the cornerstone of the word, he talks about how the word Sabbath in the Jewish tradition literally means the, the one day we don't turn one thing into another. Mm. You know, that we see everything as it is in its beautiful, flawed holiness and sanctity right everything is right there and we have been forced into a global sabbath to stop changing one thing into another to stop running from here to there scheming planning and just see the sanctity in what is and ironically you know we have been forced to this point you know what I've, I've always felt that what is opened in us is always more important than what opens us. Mm. And so that's when why I, I mm. that's why I love your work so much, Mark. Every time I read any of your books, it's almost as if I have someone walking beside me that I know has walked where I've walked. Mm. And and it's it's interesting what you, you first started out with with your own uh, cancer journey because we we often end up in this place where we are looking at that one door that seems like death, and then we're looking at this other door that we presumed was life, but yet it's it's 
dropping to the floor in that grief and hopelessness that we actually discover how to be truly alive. But we have to get to that place where we drop. Yeah. Yeah, we do. You know, I I, I think uh, there's a an amazing uh, a metaphor that about this process that really is how a, a little baby chick is born. And, you know, you've seen, we've all seen these kind of, they're kind of saccharine, these little kind of hallmarky cards where a little, there's a broken egg and there's a little furry chick, you know, next to it. But, but if we look at it from the chick's perspective, it, it's quite different and it reveals what we're talking about. And I'm always amazed how these great teachings are in the smallest, simplest things if we look at them. And so imagine, you know, a chick before it's born, it's encased in this shell. It ha- it's dark. It has only so much air. It has only so much food, which is in the fluid that it's encased in. And so what does it do? It breathes the available air and grows. It eats the available fluid or food and it grows. And what's the seeming reward for that? Well, it gets bigger. The shell gets more cramped. It starts to literally start to suffocate. It starts to starve because it's eaten all the food. So to the chick, that's unborn chick, it's apocalyptic. The world as it knows it is coming to an end. And finally what it does is it it stretches to assume its full stature when it's run out of air and food. It cracks the shell and the world as it knows it is literally breaking. And of course it's born. Mm, And that's really what's happening here right now amidst all of this cracking down of what's going on. We are being born. And when you were talking about the Sabbath, what that made me think of was your section where you speak on immersion and devotion. Because that Sabbath is also that real commitment and immersion and devotion to just being right where we are. Yeah, and, and and I think that one of the things that I've learned over time is, you know, we are, we've been taught that, you know, the reward for for concentration is excellence, but the reward really for immersion is the experience of oneness and kinship, which just doesn't make us feel good. It makes us stronger. It connects us to all the other resources in life. And I remember, you know, actually, you know, my father, who's now gone about seven years or so, but he was a master woodworker. And as a boy, he used to make one of his hobbies was he used to make these intricately beautiful uh, models, wooden models of sailboats from sailing ships from the 1800s. He would get the blueprints and he to scale, you know, make little rails and riggings and and work with small tools. And I remember being a boy sitting on the top steps. He didn't know I was watching. I was probably 10 or 11 watching him work for, uh, like this and captivated by his immersion. I mean, I've only realized what this means later in life now that he's gone. But at the time, I was just transfixed by, by him. But I realized that what he taught me, though he didn't know he was teaching it, and I certainly didn't know I was learning it, was that... He was so immersed in the act of building 
a, a sailing ship that he fell into the moment of everyone who ever built a ship in the history of the world. Mm. And this is the reward for immersion and open-heartedness and compassion and holding nothing back. When I feel your pain, I fall into the pain and holding of everyone who's ever helped someone in pain in the history of the world. I fall into that reservoir and that, that is the source of resilience. It's not, it's when being completely who I am allows me to access the river of resilience of all people who've ever lived. We're shaped by what we go through, hollowed out by the storms of time, and the speed of the modern age only intensifies the pull of existence. Against these wearing forces, we have enduring tools to rely on, such as the ability to be wholehearted, the resilience through which we're informed by what we love, and the chance to be immersed in life and devoted to living. As we move repeatedly from surviving to thriving, our walk in the world can wear us down or lift us up. Depending on how often we remember that we're part of something larger, depending on how thoroughly we can bathe trouble in the well of our soul. Yet no one can do any of this alone, in it's letting each other in that can distribute the weight of suffering that no one can escape. It's holding each other in our pain that can invoke the resting place of being that always surprises us. Our walk in the world is always precarious, as we find our way between burden and grace, falling down and getting up as many times as necessary. This is from Mark's new book, The Book of Soul. I invite you to check it out and go to his website at marknepo.com. He'll be offering a free reading and conversation on August 29th, centered on the theme, Growing in Place, Strengthening Our Roots. That's August 29th, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern. Registration will open July 1st, and you can go to live.marknepo.com to find out more about that. He'll also be offering another three-session webinar in October called More Together Than Alone, The Power and Spirit of Community. And that will be October 4th, 11th, and 18th from 1 to 2.30 p.m. Eastern. That registration for the second webinar will be open September 1st. Again, go to marknepo.com to find out more about this amazing man, all of his incredible books, and the online offerings that he has coming up. We'll be right back after these messages. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com.
Do you want more? More joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships? More empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Before we get back to speaking with Mark, I want to invite you to check out the archives of other radio shows that are online here at, at Voice America's 1111 Talk Radio. There are amazing shows all the way back to 2009, and they are timeless. The wisdom that has come through the faculty of speakers and teachers and coaches and authors over the years is quite powerful and quite a profound curriculum in itself. These are always available for free for you, so go ahead and partake in any and all of them, in addition to 1111 Magazine, which is digital and free on my website, 1111mag.com. I also would like to invite you to explore some of my new artwork on my other website, iamsimran.com. It delves into many of the images that have come through my own meditations around soul. When we speak of being a spiritual warrior, a concept referred to in many traditions, we're describing a journey of transformation that is steadfast in its adherence to both love and truth in the face of the constant storms that life on earth generates. The word war itself trans- traces back to the Indo-European root, which means to confuse or mix up. This is from the book, The Book of Soul, by Mark Nepo and uh, I want to invite you to go to his website, marknepo.com, to check out his online offerings that are coming up and to get to know this gentleman who is a poet and spiritual advisor who has taught in the fields of poetry and spirituality for over 40 years. He has over a million copies sold and has moved and inspired readers and seekers all over the world with his New York Times number one bestseller, The Book of Awakening. He is a beloved poet, teacher, and storyteller. Mark, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about the spiritual warrior, because I think that there, there's a certain connotation to that that people yeah. have, but it's more of a surface connotation. And when I read what you were writing, it, it, it brings a really deep meaning to what, it, what being a soul is and what truly uh, having the devotional presence as a spiritual warrior means. Yeah, thank you. So, so yes, so, you know, not a military warrior, not a warrior that is, is focused on combat, but uh, a spiritual warrior, and all the traditions speak about this differently, but a spiritual warrior 
um, I would I would say, in keeping with all those traditions, is really someone who is committed, devoted to a life of transformation, and that involves many different things, which involve opening our heart and clearing our perception, clearing our mind of assumptions and conclusions, so we can remember that we are each other. So that when I look at you, I go, oh my God, it's you, I forgot. I didn't know, oh, how did I forget? And and this beautiful notion that war, the word war, uh, what's beautiful, not war beautiful, but the beautiful perception there that the word war really goes back to an Indo-European root, which means, as you read there, to mix up or confuse that all war and violence is the result of confusion. And so to be a spiritual warrior is to be committed to the clearing of confusion in us and between us. And so the first thing we can do, because we are by being sheltered in place, we have been asked to grow in place. And being forced to stop is a perfect time to meet the challenge of clearing confusion from the inside out. So I invite anyone who's listening, can you identify one place within you where you feel confusion? And what can you start to do by turning your heart toward that confusion to start to clear it. So another way to think about this is that, you know, we can think that the sun, regardless of whether there are cloud cover or not, the sun never stops shining. We, our experience of a cloudy day is real, but that the sun never stops shining is also real. <clears throat> the clouds, we can say for this conversation, mark the coming and going of our confusion. And we have to be able to remember that, that the force of spirit, the force of heart, the force of clear mind is like that sun, it never stops. It's always emanating. <clears throat> and how can we recover that? How can we, by being present, clear the cloud cover that gets in the way as misunderstanding, as assumption, as conclusion. And we, we, we are continually, because we're alive and human, as soon as one cloud cover is cleared away, don't worry, another one will come. <laughs> this is so it's not about clearing it permanently, it's about honoring and loving the process. This is what it is to be a spiritual warrior is to stay in the process that will never end. You know that one of my books is called The Endless Practice. Mm, you know, that makes me think of, of some of the work of Viktor Frankl and how he really talked about how we make meaning. We try to find meaning in life and we make meaning of our suffering. And you go into the book uh, discussing about fire. And, and how we encounter two types of fire. And one is where we really are in the fire and put our feet to the fire. And then there's this other fire that is aliveness. Where is the, the doorway through the first to the second? Or how do we move and shift from that yeah, fire so, that into that fire of aliveness? So a great question. And I can speak to it, but I don't have any answer. Because this is one of the the challenges of incarnation. So the two that everyone has to discover for
for themselves. And so the two fires, yes, so the one is the fire of aliveness, which is a fire that needs to be fed. You know, the soul feeds off of care. And so if you think about how wood, you know, a fire, you need to put wood on a fire to keep it going, to shine bright, to emanate warmth and light and intense light. That fire doesn't care what kind of wood you put on it. It doesn't say, well, that's maple. I don't really want that. No, it welcomes all kinds of wood. The soul, we have to put feed the fire of the soul needs care to burn bright. And the soul doesn't, it doesn't matter to the soul what kind of care. Everything deserves care. So we can care about anything and our soul will burn brighter. Now that's the fire of aliveness, our creativity, our love, our passion, our curiosity, our wonder. But in the surface world, there is the fire of circumstance. There is the fire that will burn homes down. There is the fire that that we need to douse. And so, yeah, we have to discern between the fire of aliveness and the fire of circumstance. That is a lifelong practice. And often we can't do it by ourselves. We need each other to discern that and to know which fire we're feeding and which one needs to be doused. I think this is the misunderstanding of which fire is upon us is at the heart of all addiction, I think, when we feed the wrong fire rather than put it out. And so another image about about fire that I discovered in one of my other books, and we probably have talked about it in our one of our many conversations, but it's relevant here, and that's where, you know, that that uh, the metaphor of a wooden match. Now we all know that the fire in the tip of that match is dormant until that match is struck against a surface. Well, our gifts. And and once you strike it against the surface, it reveals its light and its warmth. Our gifts are like that match. They are dormant until they are struck against the needs of the world. And then our gifts release their light and warmth. Another way to understand the life of addiction, regardless of what the object of the addiction is, is when we fall in love with the strike and not the light. Mm. Oh, yeah, when we fall in love with the strike and not the light, and then we keep striking, we keep, I need that hit, that hit, whatever it might be, whether it's gambling or sex or shopping or violence or whatever it might be, or adventure and danger, when it's the light, when our gifts move against the strike against the needs of the world. As you're talking, Mark, I'm seeing that with the soul and how we have that fire and then we move into that aliveness and the gifts. But then I'm also seeing that this book of soul can speak to what we're going through in America, what we're going through in our world, that there is the, the fire that we've been put into, that we've created But then out of that fire, there's also this aliveness that can come. There are gifts that can come. But if we stay focused on the fire that is consuming us, the gifts can never come from there. 
Yeah, you know, there's another image of fire that's very powerful that's in Dante's Divine Comedy, and which we're all asked to read way too young. And and uh, Dante, you know, this long journey through uh, from hell through purgatory up a, into paradise, and the great Jungian analyst Helen Lung, Young, Helen Luke, excuse me, Jungian analyst Helen Luke, um, wonderfully says, you know, that that's not a journey up a mountain. That's a journey of consciousness, and she equates hell as the cost of false living. And she equates purgatory as the struggle to be real. And she equates paradise as the struggle to stay real. Notice we never get rid of struggle, Mm. which is why we have to love the process. But so right in the middle, if we keep that in mind, right in smack in the middle of Dante's entire journey, in the middle of purgatory, he comes upon a wall of fire. And he has a spirit guide who is Virgil. And Dante's kind of stuck. He says, well, I think that's it. I don't think I can go any further. And Virgil hovers over him and says, "You that is the fire that will burn but will not consume. You must go through it. And Dante kind of perks up, but he says, I don't think so. Thanks very much. I think I'm done. Virgil swoops closer in his face and repeats, that is the fire that will burn but will not consume. You must go through it. I will meet you on the other side. And Virgil vanishes. And so Dante summons his courage. He goes through the wall of fire and he's nicked up a couple of burns, but he's all right. And Virgil is never to be seen or heard from again. No mention. Now we can ask, is this a spiritual riddle? Did did Virgil abandon his student? And I would say no. I would say that wall of fire is the, the fire of transformation that everyone has to go through sooner or later. And one of the rewards for going through the fire that will burn but not consume is that we become our own guides. So Virgil's job was done. And not that we still can't learn from each other, but we become our own guides, which is at once holy, and there's a little bit of, of, of loneliness there because it, it's nice having a guide, someone you can turn to. But now, now having gone through transformation, we become more whole And we have to turn to our own soul to shed its light on us, to show us the way. You know, with everything that's been going on in our world, it it seems as if, particularly since February of this year, that life has been trying to slow us down. And, And all other methods have not worked. And so in its infinite wisdom, it has created a way to get people to stop and to slow down. You have a section in the book that is called Slowly is the Way, and it it speaks to how that slowness is is part of that deepening. It's part of that devotion. It's part of that uncovering of the soul, the naturalness that we are, as opposed to staying in this illusion like the purgatory, the false that tries to be real. Well, I think... You know, and I think that this is this is kind of a like spiritual physics, if you will, that, you know, I, I love technology. Look what it's helping us be together. There's nothing. But technology is inert. It's their tools. 
just like a hammer or a screwdriver. They're just more sophisticated. But despite the instantaneous uh, nature of technology, things that matter still take time. There is no speeding up the unfolding of meaning and the unfolding of presence. And so while, you know, we also make, we're so over speeded and there's a chapter in there about the speed of our age that there's a we're so overwrought and that we focus on being but we really need the balance of being and doing the balance because when doing is informed by being it reveals the holiness of things and, and so it makes a big difference if if i uh am doing and caring out of you know this this is here's another metaphor that i've been working with lately around this and it's what i call it the ten thousand hands you know we dream and we are moved by the fire of aliveness and so we want to do everything we want to go everywhere we want to love everyone uh, and that's a wonderful rush of infinite feeling but we can't because we live in the world and we only have two hands and so even out of out of that rush of passion and creativity, if I try to carry 10 cups of tea, I will spill them and I might inadvertently burn you. But if I bring the 10,000 hands and all that want to bear on the two hands I have, I will carry the one cup of tea with such holiness to you that it will carry everything in the world to you. Mm. And so we are at, when we slow down, we bring, rather than taking that want and spreading it beyond our capacity, we take all of our potential and move it into the two hands we have. And it's not by accident that the word authentic, which comes from the Latin authentis, means the mark of the hands. My guest today is Mark Nepo, and we are discussing his book, The Book of Soul. It has four sections, and they mark the passages that we all face in moving through this experiential unfolding that is enduring our walk in the world until we discover our true inheritance, which lets us live in the open by widening our circle until we help each other stay awake. And because things that matter take time, Mark designed this journey as a weekly reader to be entered a chapter each week over the course of a year, so that you can weave your inner reflection into the days that you have, letting one inform the other. It's a piercing guide replete with beautiful truths and startling insight. The Book of Soul leads you deeply into the process of transformation. You can find out more at marknepo.com. Also, check out his two online events that are coming up. There is one August 29th centered around growing in place, strengthening your roots. Uh, the registration for that open today. Go to live.marknepo.com. He'll also be offering another three-session webinar in October called More Together Than Alone. You can find out information about that there as well. Once again, live.marknepo.com. We'll be right back after these messages. Do you want more? 
more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course, dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com. Change begins with you. Let it be simple, convenient, and transformative. The time is now. Step through the 1111 gateway. Courses.1111mag.com. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at IamSimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio. Welcome back. I am with Mark Nepo, and we are discussing his latest book, The Book of Soul. It is a powerful book that marks the passages of what we all face enduring our walk in the world until we discover our true inheritance. This allows us to widen our circle As we help each other to stay awake, it is a piercing guide replete with beautiful truths and startling insights, so definitely check it out at marknepo.com. When we have more than we need or whether we're striving to get ahead, we somehow feel justified in scribing our small circle of ambition, declaring that each of us is responsible for our own fate, which is true to an extent. But in guarding what we have while striving for more, we somehow pit ourselves against each other until one day we slip off the wheel of prosperity, unsure how. Then we cry unfair and join the herd of those considered less. Then we're humbled to drop the catechism of fortune and wander the streets in search of help. It's often our own suffering that allows us in time to receive the suffering of others. Then we discover that we're responsible for our own lives and for each other. The health of a society depends on the compassionate braid of these two truths. That's a really powerful paragraph, Mark. And and it's so easy right now to only focus on the self 
it's so easy right now to go and clamor for something as a distraction from the self. What's the balancing point? Well, I, I think that, uh, and again, I can only speak you know, through my own struggles and experience, that I think the balancing point or the opening point, I would say, is that by, just like we were talking in the last segment about when we slow down, we, we really throughout this conversation, when we immerse ourselves, we touch into other people's, uh, the flow of other people's energy and lives. When we slow down, we feel through presence the meaning around us. When we end of suffering, when we open our heart, when we can feel, empty out our assumptions and conclusions and, and confusion, then our heart is an inlet, it's a conduit between us and other life life forms. This is what Martin Buber talked about, the Jewish philosopher, and I thou, I thou, and the Hindus say thou art that. We are the same when that heart is open. And then I can, and so compassion, so I have to clean out myself so that other life can flow through it. And so by being thoroughly myself, I am open to the pain and joy of others. And, and we can do that, ironically, even when, even when we're at home alone. We can do that and feel that connection. And I think that, yes, suffering, you know, I, I remember, like I said, I'm 69, but, you know, I'm, you know, I've done all kinds of, you know, different kind of exercise during the years. And I was a basketball player in college, and then I played racquetball, and then I jogged. And, you know, as, as different things didn't work, now I swim um, and walk. And but, but anyway, I remember, uh, this is a good example of how suffering opens us, our heart. You know, being younger and being in a grocery line and an older woman was obviously had back trouble and was so slow getting her groceries and getting herself out of the line. And, you know, and, and I would feel for her, but grow impatient. And then, you know, during one of my decades of exercise, you know, I tweaked my back and thank God it wasn't permanent. But, you know, all of a sudden for 10 days, I couldn't move. Oh, now I understand Mm. Now I understand. So ever since then, if I'm in line and I see someone who's who's slow because of a bad back, I don't feel for them. I go carry their groceries. <laughs> Why didn't that occur to me earlier? Mm, yes, yes. Because, because I thought compassion, but until I suffered, I didn't feel compassion. And that's just it. We have to walk. It's, it's almost like we have to walk the footsteps to truly understand what another has gone through. Otherwise, it is easy to just intellectualize everything. But that is a way to stay disconnected and also to disregard. Yes. And I think this also helps to explain if we go from that personal example. I think this helps to understand this amazing, uh, noble worldwide protest about racism that is unprecedented that's been happening all over the world i don't i think part of it is that that collectively because of what we're going through because of the pandemic we have been dropped from our heads to our hearts and where many people would f think 
that that's un- unjust. Now it's not an idea anymore for more people than ever. It's a felt compassion, which is making people go to the streets, which is making people keep the heart open, which is saying, no, no, I'm not just seeing that, I'm feeling that. This is a very, very powerful moment in humanity. Yes, yeah, and there's, uh, there's, but there's this flip side too, because if we look at the pandemic and we look at people that are in such resistance to wearing masks, which is why the numbers are going up, I sit there and I go, wow, they're not willing to wear a mask, yet people don't realize how many masks they already wear. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 I think you know, uh, uh, there is. Um, uh, you know, there's a, a this irony that you so point up here that while we need masks for our healthcare workers, we're really being asked to drop inwardly to drop all masks. Yes. To be naked, to be truly here, to have nothing between us and others, so we can remember that we are each other, and that's that's at the heart of of all compassion. Compassion literally means to be one with. So, you know, I can, I can physically, you know, if you fall down, I can help you up. If you're thirsty, I can bring you water. But inwardly, any suffering that you're going through, I can't take away from you. I can only be with you. And this raises the journey of, of for all human beings with an open heart. You know, we spend so much time in a lifetime, rightfully, trying to become sensitive, to let our sensitivity flourish, to remove what's between us and life, that once we get there, we don't know what to do with the art of being sensitive. We don't know how to do this, you know. One of the things for all people, and I believe all people are sensitive, but some of us are just those are conf- have that confusion, have those walls, have those blocks around us, those cloud covers, and we all, ha- and you know, so we can't, you know, blame anyone because I may be clear today, and you know, tomorrow I'll be one of those people. So, but but one of the, the challenges which I think about as mature compassion is, and again, let me take it to a very personal, small, so we can understand, you know, example, is how do, how do I, we all mostly, if I love you and you're hurting, I become your pain. If you're depressed and I love you, I feel and become your depression. Or it's so overwhelming that I say, well, if that's the way it's going to be, I can't take it. And I put a wall up and I go, well, I'm done with that. And I think the maturing of compassion is, no, how do I not lose myself and keep my heart open to you? How do I develop porous boundaries? How, how do I say, okay, I have my stuff and you have your, maybe you are depressed, maybe I'm anxious, but but whatever, I can keep my heart open to you and your depression and remember that I'm not depressed. That's not my experience. In fact, I can be more helpful if, you know, this is one of the things about life, let's, that 
it does no good for everyone to suffer at once. So when I am feeling whole and well, to let my light go everywhere, just the way light will fill every crack and hole. When we're whole, our love can fill every suffering. And we take turns because I can be lighted today and tomorrow I will be the dark hole in need of your light. Mm. While the mind makes borders, the heart lives below them. When opened enough, it's hard to tell what you carry and what I put down. When opened enough, it's hard to tell where the burden begins to lift and whose it really is. But either way, feeling each other's journey brings us to the edge of life as we know it. There, we're asked to take each breath as if it's our first and last to love whatever we find, as if the stranger before us is our beloved. Daring to love this deeply, we begin to give our all, as if we were born to put the world back together without any reward, like the anonymous cell that mends a broken bone. This is from the book, The Book of Soul, by Mark Nepo, number one New York Times bestselling author. I invite you to visit his website, marknepo.com. Check out his upcoming webinars. Thank you, Mark, for being on the show. Next week, my guest is Nicholas Pearson, and we're going to discuss crystals and crystal healing, so I hope you'll join me. Until then, in love, of love, with love, and as love, I am Simran. Be well. Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the gateway of conscious living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.